The NFL Power Rankings podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. It's week 15 of the NFL season, and that means your favorite team might be making a push for the playoffs. So let us help you get into Lambeau Field to see the Bears and the Packers, or what about scoring last-minute tickets to the AFC South showdown in Nashville between the Titans and the Texans? GameTime makes it quick and easy to get into the best seats at the best possible prices. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download GameTime app in the Google Play or the App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome back to the Athletics Power Rankings podcast. I'm Lindsay Jones, NFL reporter for The Athletic. I'm Amy Perlopiano, NFL editor at The Athletic. Well, I don't know about you, Amy, but I really, really enjoyed week 14 after a couple. I mean, I think there were some kind of down weeks there in late November, but it yeah. feels like like the NFL is back. Like that was a really, really fun week of football, basically until we got to Monday night. We're just going to not talk about the travesty <laughs> that was the rainy Monday night NFC East game between the Eagles uh, and the Giants. But it was a really fun week, even if you go all the way back to that Thursday night game, the Cowboys and the Bears, uh, because I just think there's a lot of people, I might be among them, who right now watching Jason Garrett on the sideline, Jerry Jones's sad post-game media sessions, um, it's kind of becoming like a favorite pastime for anyone in the NFL who isn't kind of a diehard Cowboys fan, because that's just such an intriguing um, scenario right there. Um, but then Sunday was also just like a really great day of football. We had a couple marquee matchups. They did not disappoint, especially the 49ers and Saints and that Chiefs Patriots game on Sunday afternoon. Um, and later on the podcast, we're, we're going to be joined by 49ers beat writer Matt Barrows to get into that game and what we should expect from the Niners moving forward. And also later on the podcast, we're going to talk about the Patriots and their new spying scandal. Um, so let's uh, let's start moving into this. Amy, uh, take us to the next step here. All right. Well, as you guys should know by now, hopefully, just a quick reminder of how these rankings are done. We have a national NFL team here. We fill out spreadsheets and vote. It's a combination of um, a few different people's votes. It's not just Lindsay. So direct your angry complaints at all of us. Um, you know, <laughs> leave your leave your comments in the post. Uh, we do read them. We like to talk about them on this podcast. And we just like to see what you guys think of the order. Uh, Lindsay and I, as we're going to get into later, actually, are again kind of in disagreement with the rest of the panel. So we understand if you are also frustrated with the way that some of the order uh, has turned out. So let's just get into this. Top five, bottom five. Let's get to the bottom five. So exciting to talk about the bad teams. Um, they This is a, mostly the same, but a little different. I think we have a new member of our bottom five. Uh, it's number 28, the Jacksonville Jaguars. New to the bottom five. They're coming off an embarrassing home loss to the Chargers. You know, you have to think that there's going to be a coaching change there after this kind of disastrous year. Um, and, we, you know, the quarterback situation now is a question mark. It's all been... Uh, pretty much a, a mess there. Number 29, we have the Washington Redskins. Number 30, the Detroit Lions, who just keep falling. They're down another spot this week. I think they were as high as probably, they might have been like mid-range in our rankings at some point, and they are now down to number 30. 
number 31, the New York Giants, who made things interesting for a half on Monday night with Eli back in, and then they just lost to the Eagles in overtime. Uh, and then number 32, once again, the Cincinnati Bengals, who we're going to get into a little bit later with some of that drama uh, about the Patriots. Um, but what's really notable for us here is that the Miami Dolphins are not in our bottom five. This is the first time all year. They're sitting now at number 27 um, after losing to the Jets. But it was a pretty controversial loss. You know, There was an overturned um, uh, P.I. call that, you know, it, it's Mike Sander wrote about this Um in his pick six this week about how there's a big officiating shift that we're seeing now where officials are calling. <laughs> they are suddenly deciding to overturn pass interference, which they had not been doing all year. So now some yeah. some calls that don't seem at all blatant or, or worse than some things that haven't been overturned in the past are now getting overturned. And that's what happened to the yeah. Dolphins. Uh, and it pretty much it, it did cost them the game against the Jets. So uh, they are not in our bottom five as yeah. a result. <laughs> And I think it's important to note with that uh, with that Dolphins call, that was not a coach's challenge. That mm-hmm. was called by the booth. That was a booth right. review because it was inside two minutes. And it was Al Riveron, the VP of officiating, who made that call. And, you know, he, d- he did his standard kind of talk to the, you know, puts out like a statement to reporters after the game. And, you know, he said that there isn't a new standard, that it hasn't changed. But that is blatantly untrue. If you've been watching the first, you know, three months of the season, it very clearly has been a shift where we're actually seeing, um, you know, calls that are clear and obvious being changed to either, you know, adding a flag onto the field, as was the case in this situation, or, um, you know, calls being wiped off. And that was not happening earlier. And that's what's so frustrating. And the NFL owners are meeting right now in New York. Uh, you know that they're talking about officiating. No changes are going to be be made now for the rest of the season, but it is going to be the hottest topic in the offseason. So we are not done <laughs> talking about this and expect this Dolphins play, this Dolphins Jets play to come up multiple times this offseason as they're talking about the pass interference rule and overhauling um, officiating. And um, one other note, I did go back and look and Detroit, now our number 30 team, was as high as number 13 in our rankings back in week four. And they were also number 13 in week six. Yeah. So they have It's got to be the biggest fall of anybody, right? (laughs) Yeah. I I would have to go through and double check. But um, yeah, I mean, they... for. You know, the, the Niners have kind of climbed really significantly from the end of last season till now. The, the Lions have gone completely in the opposite direction. I mean, there's a couple other teams. The Cowboys were fourth and they've fallen to, you know, they're at 15 right now. Right. Um, there's a couple others, but I mean, but the Lions and look, the Lions are down to their third string quarterback. You know, I think they'd be in a much different situation if Matthew Stafford were still playing. Um, but yeah, they are, they're in a, they're in really, really, uh, a really, really, really bad spot right there. So, um, I don't really have any complaints about that bottom five other than it's just getting really difficult to figure out which five teams to put in there because yeah, I mean, the dolphins aren't in there. The Arizona Cardinals are a disaster right now. I mean, they've lost six straight games, haven't been competitive in weeks. You know, they deserve to be there. The Falcons are still not in the bottom. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that probably should be there, but these these five are really right now here, week 14, the worst in the league. Yeah, and again, it, it just kind of shows how many bad teams there are. Like, I think I had the Falcons at, like, 23 this week, which seems way too high based on kind of 
full season effort, but you know, but there are just so many teams that are bad right now. Um, yeah, I mean, we talk about how bad the NFC East is, and yes, they have two teams right now in our bottom five with the Giants and Washington. But I think you could argue that the Cowboys and the Eagles aren't really that much better than them, but because they're in playoff contention, they're actually yeah. in our mid-teens, which is blows my mind. We were talking about it on our Slack channel late last night after the after the Monday night game ended, because I kind of let everybody know, hey, here's where the Eagles are right now in case anybody wants to you know, alter their ballots. And we all kind of felt that 18 feels too high for the Eagles, but with the teams that were below them, it was hard to drop them, drop them too much below that. So um, yeah, I'm not going to rant too much more about the NFC East. I did that a lot last week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, we're going to, let's ban the NFC East from this podcast from now yes. on. Uh, and also from national television, if we could if yeah. we could arrange that. I mean, we stopped three of the four NFC East teams in national television this week. So no more. We're done. Yeah, yeah. Please um, no more. Um, all right, let's get into the, the good teams. Lindsay, would you like to uh, go through our top five? Sure. Here we go. So number five. And this is the biggest surprise for me, and we're going to get into that. Number five, the the, the New England Patriots, who stayed the same from last week. Um, Number four, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs back into the top five. Number three, the New Orleans Saints. Number two, the San Francisco 49ers. And number one, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I don't think we have much argument or you could really make much of a case for any other three teams being there at one, two, and three, and probably not in any other order. I mean, I think we were all pretty consistent amongst our amongst our ballots with the Ravens, Niners, and Saints. But I think what gets real interesting here are the Chiefs at number four. They're back into the top five for the first time since um, since week eight. So Amy, t- talk me through the Chiefs a little bit and what do you think about their rise right now and if they deserve to be back in the top five? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they deserve to be back in the top five. They, they're kind of making a late season surge. They're gaining momentum after kind of, you know, the the injury struggles earlier in the year with Mahomes and and kind of never quite clicking in uh, to the team that we were kind of waiting for all season. And they did this kind of with their defense as well as their offense. They made some key stops. You know, they um, they basically won that game against the Patriots because of their defense. You know, they they made a huge stop. They held the Patriots uh, to 14 points on the uh, and when they needed one big stop on a fourth down in the red zone, they got it. You know, there's some gutsy play calls happening. It was zero blitz against Brady, who found the matchup that he wanted. Um, and, you know, they broke up that pass to Julian Edelman, which how many times do you think in the past we would have seen that go through and the Patriots would have completed the comeback? And, you know, that, but that's not how it played out. And the Chiefs made a stop. And that's what they were never able to do last year. And I think that that's really promising for the Chiefs. That's kind of what we were waiting for in terms of what we were hoping the defense would be able to do last year with the Chiefs. And, you know, this game, it's a rematch of the AFC title game, but it's it didn't really look much like the title game did last year. That was an, an offensive showdown. And this took a lot of defense. It, defensive stops decided the game. And so perhaps for the Chiefs, that is that's really encouraging. Like that that could mean that they're going to go further in the playoffs than in the past because now they are potentially a more balanced team if their defense can keep this up. You know, I still think it's going to be tough for the Chiefs to overtake the Patriots for that number two seed. Um, they've got the Broncos, Bears, and Chargers left, and the Patriots have the Bengals, which we'll get into. The Bills, which will be tough, and then the Dolphins. So Patriots have a two of our bottom five teams coming up, and um, the Chiefs have two teams that are surging right now. The Broncos and the Broncos are playing well. 
Bears been playing well recently, and then the Chargers are just so inconsistent. Who even knows? Um, but, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be able to catch them. But even so, you know, I think as of right now, say they have the three seed, right? They, they would play if the season ended today, the Steelers potentially. And, you know, I think that they're more talented than the Steelers and whoever, you know, I, I think that I could see them going far. I think this bodes really well for their playoff chances. The fact that they are now making plays with their defense. We know that they can turn on their offense we haven't seen it quite to the levels that I think that we've been expecting yet, recently at least. Um, but we know it's there and they have that capability. And, and now that they're showing that they can balance it with some key defensive stops, I think that's huge. I think that's really promising for their yeah. chances in the playoffs. Yeah, and the way that the, ba- the the brackets potentially will shake out, like let's say that the Ravens get the one seed, which they, they look like they're well on their way to getting the one seed. The Patriots end up getting that second seed. That means that if everything kind of holds as it should during wildcard weekend – the Chiefs would be going back to Foxborough. And that's a really daunting situation. Teams very rarely go into Foxborough um, in the postseason and win. But now the Chiefs have the confidence of knowing that they have already done it this season. And, you know, I, I, I imagine the Patriots would be favored in that game just by being in Foxborough. But I think that they know the rest, you know, they they know the formula. They know how to beat it and their defense um, is is very confident right now. I mean, I think Nate Taylor, our Chiefs beat writer, wrote his story from Sunday in Foxborough. You know, he quoted Chris Jones, their defensive lineman, saying that they don't need the offense to win games anymore. And I think that might be a little bit of hyperbole, that what Chris Jones was saying. I mean, he's a very loquacious guy there. But, um, you know, I think they're going to really, really need Patrick Mahomes. But I don't think we've seen the best offense from the Chiefs yet. I still think that there's a lot more they can do. You know, I think there's a lot more they can do with their running game, especially they've been dealing with a lot of kind of off and on injuries with their offensive line. Some penalty issues that aren't usually a problem for them have been have been a little bit of an issue. Um, And I just think, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, I think he's still I mean, we've seen glimpses. You know, he had that rushing touchdown a week ago. You know, he's he's still making some of those big throws, but I just don't think they've even come close to playing their best offensive games. So if they could put it all together, you know, maybe we could see a uh, Ravens Chiefs rematch in the AFC championship game. And I would be certainly here for that. Yeah. So but I think now we need to talk um, about the Patriots, because like I mentioned, I think they're the most interesting team to me. And we have talked at nauseum on this podcast, especially last week, actually, a lot about the Patriots um, still being there at number five, because you know, our panelists, you know, as as a whole, our staff really believes in the Patriots and they've lost now in back to back weeks um, fairly convincingly. I mean, they lost very convincingly to the um, to the Texans last week and then they lost at home to the Chiefs this week. And yes, it was a close game. And yes, the officials basically screwed them out of two touchdowns. I mean, I think certainly one touchdown and they'll argue that it was two touchdowns. And I think you could make that argument. Um, you know, so I think both things, and this is what I wrote in the power rankings file that's online at the athletic right now is that both things can be true. The officials potentially cost, um, cost the Patriots that game. And that also the Patriots are in a real big trouble. Their offense is, is in really, really bad shape right now. And I'm not sure if the problems that they're having offensively are, are, are fixable, but here they are. They're still at number five. They didn't drop at all in our rankings. Um, Amy and I disagree with the rest of our panelists, um, largely here. Um, I had them at eight. Um, so Amy, I. where did you have? So we both had them, at, had them eight, at eight, which yeah. to me, that feels a little bit more accurate of where we are here right now, week 14. Um, I'm, you know, that's not taking into account, you know, their eight no start really, or, you know, what they did, you know, in the first month of the season when they were, you know, they had, they were allowing, you know, like six points per game when they were playing a lot of really bad 
um, bad opponents, but where they are right now and what potentially they could be facing coming up. But, you know, the rest of our panelists, a lot of them disagreed and they think that the Patriots are in better shape. Um, than we do. Um, you know, I see there's a vote at, for, for them at number four. Um, a lot of votes for them in the top five. You know, here's, well, there's a six right there. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of people who are still really um, very confident. There's a number. Yeah, basically everybody else other than us had them sixth or higher, which is how they ended up there at number five. Yeah, I mean, I don't get it. Like, I know we've talked about this a lot. I just don't get it. Like, I, I understand the the process that probably goes into it of like a lot of people still think they're gonna be in the Super Bowl and because they're the Patriots and this is what they do but like if we judge this just based on performance alone they have not been good recently offensively at least and it's it's a red flag that their losses they keep losing to other playoff teams and they you know pretty convincingly or convincingly enough I know they had a chance to come back against the Chiefs of course and Yes, the officiating wasn't, you know, went against them and really did hurt them. And there were very bad calls in that game. But as you said, Lindsay, like there are, that doesn't disguise the the issues that they have that they've been showing for a while now that aren't going away. Usually what happens is, you know, I think we're so used to this idea of like the Patriots coming out and struggling, you know, in September or something, you know, they'll struggle early and then. And then by December, they're usually like back in their mode and just destroying people and getting ready for the playoffs and kind of in this other locking into their Patriot mode. And we haven't really seen that. They haven't really fixed their problems yet. And I'm not sure that they can. And like, you know, Michael Lombardi wrote about this um, and the the Patriots offensive issues in his column on Monday. And, you know, Brady is uh, throwing his lowest yards per attempt with 6.6 since the 2002 season. And, um, yeah, I mean, the offense is struggling to do pretty much anything. And, yes, they are lacking playmakers and all of that. And, obviously, they miss Gronk and all of these things that are becoming more and more evident, especially against really good teams that they've been playing. But these are issues. And, and I, we haven't really seen any signs that they're going to fix them or that they're going to be able to fix them uh, in time for the playoffs when they're going to have to play teams that have beaten them already during the regular season. Um, they haven't really shown that they can beat those teams yet. And so I'm not sure why they kind of keep getting a pass for these things. I mean, I have an idea why. It's just because they're the Patriots. Um, but, you know, based on just kind of what we have seen and if we can judge by games that we have watched and the kind of talent level of each team at this moment, I would not have them at four or five. I, I think eight is a good fit. And, you know, I, I think if they – I just think that they don't belong in the top five. I, I really don't think that any like I don't think some of the teams on the outskirts. So Seattle was six right this week. I think they fell down to like number six because of that bad loss. Yeah, the the next teams kind of that next tier are the um, the Seahawks. The Packers, the Vikings, mm-hmm. um, who are all, you know, Seahawks are 10 and three, had a real bad game this week. Packers, 10 and three, they won, but not, you know, not in a huge way. Vikings, nine and four, you know, those are, that's kind of the next tier. And then you get to the Bills, right. Texans, yeah. you know, that are kind of that next, and Titans that are next tier down. So right. I think they kind of belong between those between. two tiers. Obviously, a bunch of our, our panel, our, our column, or our colleagues, excuse me. Uh, feel feel differently and well you know and we'll see what happens I mean yeah. the rest of their schedule is pretty favorable and you know I think right now we can't really talk about the Patriots without 
also kind of talking about those upcoming games and the newest off-field drama that's going on with the Patriots right now. Um, And that's this new spy scandal when they were um, caught allegedly videotaping the Bengals' sideline on Sunday. So um, just real quick, I want to get caught up you know, I just want to make sure we're all caught up here um, in case you hadn't been following, in case any of our listeners hadn't been following the uh, the kind of the play-by-play of this latest, I guess, Spygate 2. Is that what we're calling it? Is it Spygate 2 and a half? Spygate I don't two. know exactly. Spygate, Electric Boogaloo. Spygate continued. Yeah, this, the series. The spe- whatever. The sequel sucks. Um <laughs> I, I covered the other Spygate, the Broncos Spygate, which also involved, like, you know, Josh McDaniels. So I don't know if that's, like... 2B, 1A, I don't know exactly what. But so basically to get everybody caught up, um, a Bengals official um, noticed that there was a Patriots employee or somebody who was contracted by the Patriots, depending on exactly who you believe here, was videotaping in the Browns press box on Sunday um, when the uh, when the Browns and the Bengals were playing. Um, and the Patriots came out Monday night, issued a statement saying that the video crew was credentialed by the Browns to be in the press box to film a segment um, about an advanced scout for a docuseries called Do Your Job um, that's kind of created by the team. Um, the, this person identified themselves as being a craft uh, a craft employee and not part of like the Patriots football operations staff. The Patriots said that they didn't, you know, from a football operations side, PR side, that stuff, they didn't know that this was happening. Um, but uh, you know, either way, it was, uh, you know, the the Bengals complained, they intervened, the NFL confiscated the video, and now they are investigating. Um, Tuesday morning, uh, The Athletic's Paul Dana reported that according to people who saw the video, it included eight minutes of footage um, from the Bengals sideline during the game, which seems far more nefarious than a behind the scenes feature about scouting that the Patriots described in their statement on Monday night. So this is very much a developing story. The NFL will surely try to act quickly on this. Um, and it definitely adds an interesting wrinkle to Sunday's Patriots Bengals game. You think this is something that would be fairly e- easily resolved one way or another because they have the video footage and it should be pretty clear whether or not they were um, you know, blatantly breaking NFL rules or if they accidentally made, uh, broke some, you know, broke these NFL policies. But, you know, I think the really important thing, and we're going to get more into this um, on the lead podcast tomorrow, the athletics podcast, the lead. Um, but I think the really important thing to remember here right now is just that the Patriots are not going to get the benefit of the doubt in this situation at all, given Bill Belichick's history with Spygate, which was, you know, more than a decade ago now, and kind of all the other, you know, scandalous things that the Patriots have been linked to. I mean, if this was, you know, the Titans or the Falcons or literally anybody else in the NFL, you could maybe take that sort of explanation at face value. That's not going to happen with New England. And I know their fans are going to act like they're being persecuted here, but Look, this is, I mean, it's it, it's a violation of some sort. We don't know how significant the violation was yet. Um, but the, you know, they should have realized that this was that this was gonna potentially happen. And it's just opening up all sorts of more drama for a team that, you know, I guess I guess for their sake, you know, most of the talk shows right now are not talking about the, their offense and how bad the receivers are. Instead, they're talking about, you know, are they cheating again? And that's I don't know. I don't know if that's worse or worse or better, but either way, it's not good. Yeah. I mean, they, as you said, like the past (laughs) exists and it does color a lot of this. And like they 
aren't going to get the benefit of the doubt, like nor should they right now because they have kind of a cloudy past of this stuff. So we'll see how it goes. But I don't think anyone is necessarily immediately going to believe what they say if they say, you know, it was just a documentary, it was an accident or whatever. Not the uh, not the easiest thing to believe right now. Yeah, and I think that it's important if you, um, we should link to Paul's story um, from Cincinnati. Paul is one of our columnists from uh, The Athletic Cincinnati. And in his story this morning where he reported that it was eight minutes, which is you know far different than the explanation the Patriots were given or were giving us on Monday night. Um, he also went back and read the, re- went through the reporting from kind of the first Spygate scandal. And their ESPN did a really, really in-depth kind of a story about the initial Spygate, which, you know, that was, you know, it was years ago that it happened that they were, you know, videoing um, the Rams walkthroughs before the Super Bowl and all this stuff. But in this, the story from three years ago, the ESPN, they talked about how um, ESPN reported about the the type of excuses or the ways that um, the Patriots were kind of trying to explain video, you know, video. And one of the ways was say that it's part of a documentary or another (laughs) show. And, you know, now it's like, well, I mean, is it? I mean, are they still, are they circling back around to this? And, you know, I think it'll be just, you know, there's going to be a lot of pieces here. One, you know, obviously what's on the video. That's really the, that's the most basic thing right now. But then two, has this happened other times? You know, have other teams been worried about it? Um, Have this, has this video crew been at other sidelines or in other press boxes? And that's certainly reporting that's going on right now to figure out if this is an isolated incident or if this is, you know, the Patriots uh, being shady again. We want to talk a little bit more about that uh, awesome 49ers game. And to do so, we are going to bring on Matt Barrows to talk about it with us. He's seen plenty of ups and downs with this franchise. Hi, Matt. Thanks for joining us. Uh, mostly downs, uh, to, to be honest with you. <laughs> there, there were some ups during the Jim Harbaugh era, but uh, we, we've had Dennis Erickson. We've had Jim Tom Sula, Chip Kelly. It's mostly been downs during that, that, <laughs> that long span I've been covering the team. Well, so let's talk about one of these ups right now, and that was certainly Sunday, New Orleans. What did you learn about the 49ers in that game um, against the Saints that maybe you didn't already know about them or that could maybe inform where they're going to be going the rest of the season? Well, I learned that the defense can be awful and, and the 49ers can still win. Uh, and that that was significant because that's what uh, the the calling card for this team had been a really really good defense a good running game and then Jimmy Garoppolo sort of kind of uh, is the caretaker doesn't have to do much to get victories he had to do everything in this game and he ended up out dueling Drew Brees and uh, Kyle Shanahan ended up out dueling Sean Payton um, in the Saints building and and that's that's huge I think it was a playoff like atmosphere. Uh, there were playoff stakes on the line and the 49ers won. So this is a team that expects now to be going deep into the playoffs. Um, this was as playoffy as it gets. And they, uh, they came out on top. Matt, you mentioned, of course, the defense have uh, been pretty bad in this game. So should we be nervous about the 49ers defense after they gave up 46 points on Sunday? And how are injuries, especially Richard Sherman's hamstring going to affect them moving forward? Yeah, I, I think uh, I don't. I don't know if nervous is the right word. Um, you know, this has obviously been the exception this year. They were really good uh, in Baltimore a week earlier, for example, um, and really good against the Packers. Um, you know, they they had been on the road. Uh, they they played Baltimore, and instead of going back to San Jose to to California, 
they stayed in Florida for the week and then went to New Orleans from there. And I, I thought that the, the defense in particular looked uh, looked slow and tired. And uh, I, I think that happens in December to any team. But um, after you played Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, after you've been on the road for 10 days, I think that that played a, a significant role in it. And you're right. Um, injuries are, are, are going to be an issue. Hamstrings are going to be an issue. D Ford, uh, the defensive end, had had a hamstring strain and he went back into the Saints game and almost immediately aggravated it. Now he's going to be out likely for the rest of the regular season. Uh, Richard Sherman has a hamstring and, and you have to think that the lesson the team just learned with D Ford is going to make them extra cautious with him. It's going to be very difficult to keep Richard Sherman out of the uh, the season finale in Seattle, but that'll be a, a question mark. I, I doubt we see him the next two games. Somehow, what should we make of Jimmy Garoppolo at this point? I think there have been some games, like you mentioned, where he's you know kind of a caretaker. Um, but then I think I was, I was really impressed with him the way he way he played late in that game against the Saints, especially on that fourth down when you know I don't think a lot of quarterbacks are going to make that throw and maybe trust trust George Kittle in that situation. But what should we make of him at this point now that we've really gotten to see kind of a significant body of work out of him? Yeah, and, and I think that's significant in itself. Um, he, he hadn't had that until now. Uh, played five games for Kyle Shanahan at the end of 2017. Played three games uh, before uh, tearing his ACL last year. So only had eight games in the Shanahan system, which is a, a, a copious, um, you know, demanding system. And uh, he's gotten better as the year's gone on. He didn't look good in, in week one, threw some weird interceptions, um, had a, had an issue with that over the first half of the season. He's been better at that since then. And it, that's kind of what we were all uh, expecting, is that there's a guy coming off an ACL. There's a guy with not a lot of experience uh, with Shanahan. He's going to be better at the end of the year than he is the beginning. And um, that's what he's been. Um, I, I think the key with him is he, he makes things happen. He's a very improvisational quarterback. Uh, this play won't get a lot of attention in the highlight reels, but there was a, a critical third down at the end of the game where it looked for all the world like uh, Garoppolo was going to get sacked and that the 49ers would have to settle for a field goal. He turned something into nothing. He did like one of those uh, those flips uh, you, you saw Brett Favre make throughout the, the course of his career. John Elway make. Uh, you see Lamar Jackson making them now. Uh, when all hope is lost, uh, these guys uh, do something. And he flipped the ball to Kyle Juszczyk, his, his fullback. And, um, you know, it wasn't a big play, but it ended up uh, causing a, a Saints penalty, gave the 49ers a first down. They scored a touchdown on that drive, and obviously every point counted in that game. But it was just something where he makes something out of nothing. And that's what separates, you know, good quarterbacks from really special quarterbacks, and he has that trait. And Matt, so we're heading into week 15 now, so I think it's a good time to make some predictions. So do you think that the 49ers are going to win the NFC West, and do you think they're going to win the NFC? Wow. Um, I guess those are sort of part and parcel. Um, you know, it comes down to Seattle. It's always come down to Seattle uh, for this team, it seems like, in the last 10 years. And and they haven't done it to this point. Now, 
Um, they've got a game lead on the Seahawks right now, but uh, if, if both teams win out, then Seattle uh, wins the division. And I think it drops the 49ers. I, I, I guess there are a lot of different things going on, but it could possibly drop them to the the, the number five seed. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, they haven't done it so far. Seattle seems to have their number. It's going to be just another epic game there. If I had to guess, I'd say that the 49ers have magic this year and that this is the year that they're going to pull it out. But boy, that's going to be a very, very tight contest uh, last week of uh, December. Well, Matt, like like we mentioned up at the top of this interview, you've been covering the Niners for a long time. There have been um, some real rough years uh, in there for a lot of different reasons. Um, So could you just kind of take us into like what it's been like in the Bay Area around this Niners team over the last few months. I mean, we've in our power rankings, they were the biggest climber from the end of last season to the preseason. And then they've just steadily moved up and up and up. They're at number two right now, which I think is probably correct behind the behind the Ravens ahead of the Saints. But what's what's it been like around this team right now? And what would it potentially be like, do you think, to have some meaningful postseason games at Levi's Stadium? Yeah, it would be huge. I mean, the, the 49ers are the kings of the of the Bay Area. Um, the Warriors had supplanted them uh, during their magical run, which corresponded with a with a dip for the 49ers. But now, obviously, the Warriors are are, are struggling. Uh, the 49ers are ascendant, and um, they are they are everything. I mean, people are are back following this team like they used to. And um, it, it has been a surprise. There's no surprise that they've made big leaps in your power rankings because, what, this was a team that won four, four games last year. And um, I certainly didn't think they would be this good. I, th- I thought that they would be much better. I thought they'd be around a 500 team, um, you know, sh- showing significant signs of improvements. But uh, this has been a, a huge leap. And, and it seems like everything that the 49ers did in the offseason – um, to improve this team uh, worked out. They wanted to become a uh, you know a very aggressive pass rush team, and uh, for a while there they were they were leading the the league in sacks. So they they had all these calculations that they were going to make, um, and and nearly every one has been success. And that doesn't happen. I mean, uh, sometimes a, a coaching staff makes changes. Uh, you'll, you'll be lucky if uh, a little bit more than half of them work. The, the 49ers have been pretty good on every uh, significant decision they've made from uh, this offseason until now. All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for coming on today with us and sharing your insights with us. Uh, you guys can read Matt's 49ers coverage at the Athletic Bay Area and follow him on Twitter at, at Matt Barrows. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you for having me on. We hear you. And so now we are going to move on to our We Hear You segment. Uh, we just like to highlight a couple comments, the, our favorite comments from the week. And we just have one we want to talk about today and just mention very quickly. It's not actually a complaint, uh, which is nice. It's uh, it's just a comment about uh, one of the gifts that we had in there uh, for the Raiders, which our gift selection for the Raiders was a 
child um, pulling out a block from Jenga and the whole thing collapsing onto his face. Um, like a life-size thing of a Jenga. Life-size Jenga a life-size Jenga. A life-size So like very large blocks hitting a child in the face. Uh, so Wendy P says, yeah, <laughs> I'm a Raider fan and I did feel like I got hit with a tumbling pile of bricks in the fourth quarter. Driving home from the stadium, I kept saying, well, at least we're playing the Jags next week, but it's the Raiders who break my heart every December, so I'm not betting any money on it. Sad music for so, Wendy P. I'm sorry, Wendy. Yeah. Well, it's just rough because, yeah, I mean, the, the Titans scored 21 points. They, they they outscored the Raiders 21 to nothing in the second half of that game in Oakland on Sunday. And this, this week is going to be the last game at the Oakland Coliseum for the Raiders before they move to Las Vegas. And, you know, I, I don't think there's a worse way for the season to end for the Raiders really than kind of back-to-back AFC South games. It's just really unfortunate that they couldn't have figured out a way to schedule – you know, either the Broncos or the Chiefs or the Chargers um, or the Niners or something. But, you know, really one of those AFC West games for the for the final game in Oakland, because this really I mean, it's two teams that are going in the wrong direction. You know, nobody wants to see the Jaguars. There's not going to be, you know, that the stadium's going to be full. I think it'll still be a kind of a fun atmosphere. But, man, that's just a really, really rough way for what was such a promising season, I think, at some point for the Raiders, uh, for their for their time in Oakland to end. And, you know, hopefully they can put on kind of one last fun show for the black hole. I'd love to see that black hole rocking and shaking kind of one last time. But but yeah, that was rough. And I really liked that. Um, I, it was a really nice uh, gift selection, given what that second half looked like. Um, and I will say somebody else commented in there. Like, no, I can't remember exactly which commenter it was, um, but but pointed out that Amy and I both have been pronouncing it GIF when I guess it technically is JIF. Yeah, I refuse to pronounce but it GIF. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> JIF is peanut butter. Uh, GIF is... <laughs> and it's delicious. Yeah, but delicious. Yeah, so sorry. I hope that's not turning anybody off. But yeah, we're, we're team GIF over here. Sorry about that. So, all right, well, let's move into our final segment, which every week uh, it is our power up and our power down segment. Power up, power down. Amy, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I'm going to power down the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Pretty much everything about them, Baker Mayfield specifically, they're doing it again. This happened multiple times this season where they'll win and somehow everybody's talking about something else that they did instead of the fact that they won. Um, This week, it was Baker Mayfield's comments about their medical staff, which has now caused all this drama. So basically... Uh, it came out that Odell Beckham's been playing with a sports hernia and Baker Mayfield uh, then basically threw the medical team under the bus and said uh, that he's not 100 percent. Sorry. He says you could sense that some of his frustration, it wasn't handled the right way in our training room. It is what it is. Um, Freddie Kitchens came out and kind of lectured Baker Mayfield on these comments. Some other players have come out and defending uh, the medical staff. So basically, Baker Mayfield has now gotten them into a whole other dramatic mess. Um, and it's just kind of indicative of the entire Brown season where there's just a lot of talking and talking and kind of no awareness um, of the situation and what you're saying and how, you know, it, it just all kind of ends up blowing up in their face in the end. And so that's happened again. Um, and it's just another distraction and it's just kind of defined their season all year. So power down to Baker, power down to the Browns and just basically their entire season has been kind of another distraction and mess. Uh, and this is just the latest example. Yeah. So my, my, I'm not sure honestly if on mine is powering up or powering down because, 
Um, but I'm, I'm, I want to talk a little bit more about the Saints. And we talked about that Saints-Niners game with Matt Barrows earlier, but really from kind of a 49ers perspective. But there was a lot to unpack from that game from the Saints standpoint, from a fit more officiating concerns for Sean, from Sean Payton. You know, I just think it's becoming kind of a weekly, a weekly feature to watch him losing his mind on the sidelines about something officiating related. Oh God, um, one of the big things this week was that um, apparently he or his coaching staff didn't know that you can't draw pass interference on a fake punt attempt. Honestly, I didn't know that either. And I just appreciate the Saints for teaching me something new about officiating every week. Um, you know, I think he wanted a holding call, which I think would have been very borderline, but also holding is not reviewable. So um, so that was interesting. But I, I need to make sure I want to just reference everybody to a story on The Athletic today from Catherine Terrell, our, one of our Saints beat writers, with my favorite quote of the week. And I'm hoping that it ends up in our quotes of the decade feature that The Athletic will be running at some point this year. Um, so I just am going to read it. So I guess I'm powering up to this quote from Sean Payton, just because it's such a great quote. Um, although I guess I'm powering down his week to week coaching decisions um, where he certainly got out coached by the Saints. But so basically everything is frustrating for Sean Payton at this point when uh, when things are going when, when things aren't going well for the Saints. And he uh, he was out doing his shopping this week and could not hear the end of it. So here's his quote. He said, quote, I've got the guy at Rouse's, which must be a New Orleans grocery store. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody from New Orleans or at freaking Whole Foods asking me me about the freaking two point play. I looked at him, the guy from the meat section. I said, hey, your steaks don't look too good right now. Worry about your freaking meat driving me crazy. So worry about your freaking meat is the uh, the quote of the year from good, Sean Payton. Good and, words to live by, uh, honestly. Worry about your freaking yeah. meat, everybody. <laughs> I'm hoping it'll be on shirts. Um, and um, if, <laughs> I, sure if I know anything about Saints fans, I'm sure that they'll be wearing them from next week. So, so that wraps up our podcast today. Our week 14 power rankings will be back later in this week with our bonus episode for athletic subscribers. And then we'll be back after week 15 for our newest edition of the power rankings. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you in a couple days. Thanks guys.